0: Hey everybody! Welcome
1: back to Big Apple Hockey. It is time for our weekly show. We know we got we got to spend a little bit of time together yesterday after the news of Peter Laviolette going to the New York Rangers. I screwed one, it up.
0: One,
2: damn it,
1: Laviolette. One, there you go.
0: And there's on everybody. Number one already happened. Number one
1: already on. I am the great mispronouncer, Mr. Mark Williams. I'm glad you and, said that. Hey. <laughs> And I am joined by the host of the final buzzer John Falkowski, Mr. John Falkowski.
0: I mean, that's kind of redundant, but yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, mispronunciation counter at one. That's great. We got that out of the way right away, which is just excellent. But, uh, congratulations to the Vegas golden Knights. Uh, congratulations to Bruce Cassidy. Uh, what a story that that is. And I I know we're going to be talking about that more. And, As we spoke about yesterday, welcome to New York, Peter Laviolette. Now it's your turn to lead this team to the promised land.
1: And the man who first got to see him in action, Mr. Anthony Larocco.
2: Yeah, a long time ago, but um, nonetheless, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights. uh, Capped off a great NHL season by winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Kudos to them, their fans, um, players, players. Now the offseason has officially begun, boys. As my bottom tagline says, let the silly season begin. The buyout window opens on Friday. Uh, draft in two weeks. <clears throat> Free agency about two or three days after the draft. Let's go. Let's. And you know what,
1: Anthony? Your tagline is more than appropriate because the silly season coming right now. And it is going to be very, very silly. We're already starting to get some trades coming in that happened during the Stanley Cup finals can't believe they were allowed to do that, or at least that they were able to make the trade and announce it. Um, But also, uh, as I mentioned before, we had our stream reacting to the Peter Laviolette signing, and I'll be doing that probably the rest of his 10-year year. And also the Big Apple Hockey you real quick and I
0: should say that DraftKings should have like a prop bet on how many times you mess up the pronunciation <laughs> of that name in the episode. Because well, that would be incredible. And I think that would get so many people involved with DraftKings.
1: Well, if we end up at the draft in a couple weeks, then, you know, then it's going to be me mispronouncing players. And we won't be able to do the Mark drinking game. So that's Ooh. just going to be even worse. But the A Block is brought to you by SeatGeek, everybody. Geek, use the promo code BIGAPPLEHockey. Get $20 off on your first order. Hockey might be done, but you could use it. Baseball and uh, concerts, anything. So let's start with last night, guys. And the Vegas Golden Knights are the 2023 Stanley Cup champion, beating the Florida Panthers 9-3 in Game 5. More on that in a moment. Uh, but i uh, have I just, and also I got to say this, Jonathan Marcheseau, Consummate Trophy. We're going to get back to him in a second and the Smythe. Phil, I'm going to start with you. What is your thoughts on the finals and what stood out to you?
0: Vegas was just a faster team. Uh, I think they were better structured. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is why people have referred to Bruce Cassidy as one of the better coaches in the league for um, the last few years. I think Vegas was a deeper team as well. I think Florida's lack of depth um, really shined in this series because I think a lot of the, the matchups involving the bottom six, I think Vegas won those and won them handily. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky was great up until this series. And I think Vegas just said, Hey, this Cinderella story ends here. And If Bobrovsky played more like the Bobrovsky of the regular season, I mean, you can only turn back the clock for so long, I guess, you know, most athletes. I mean, Carey Price had that magical run in 2021 where everybody thought, you know, oh, you know, he looks like he's back. And then it just kind of came to a halt. And then it was just nothing after that. But um, Bobrovsky just was not the same goaltender that he was in the first three rounds. Um, Alex Barkov couldn't get it done offensively. He just wasn't good enough for them. Carter Verhage scored some key goals at times. Needed more from him. I, I said guys like Bennett and Reinhardt, and I, I specifically pointed to Reinhardt because I thought he'd be able to help against Jack Eichel. But I mean, you needed a lot more from guys like that. And Anthony Duclair just coming back couldn't give enough. But Vegas just—they had the depth. They had the speed. Um, They had the rough and tumble type players, and then you got the key injuries in that series. You know, Ekblad playing hurt, Montour playing hurt, Kachuk getting hurt in the middle of the series, and that was just it. I mean, Florida did what they could. Uh, At least they got their first Stanley Cup Finals win. I mean, and
1: coming back from a three nothing deficit,
0: yeah, at that, yeah, exactly. I mean, so to do it, so. I guess they got that out of the way. I mean, I kind of feel bad for Florida. I was, it would have been cool to see Matt Kachuk win one, but I'm happy for Vegas. Um, I'm happy for Jonathan Marchessault winning the Conn Smythe because that guy is literally the definition of the progression of hockey. And that is that in the 90s, we went from drafting all these big centers and defensemen to try to combat guys like Eric Lindros because Eric Lindros took the lead by storm. And we said, oh, well, everybody that's too small, that's under 5'10 and under 185 or 190 pounds is too small to play in this league. Well, you had guys like Theo Fleury and Marty San Luis in there that came along and said, screw that. We're going to break past that mold. You know what? Jonathan Marchessault so was passed over by a lot of teams, including the New York Rangers, who couldn't keep him in the fold. Uh, and he bounced from team to team. He found his way to Florida. He he found success in Florida under Gerard Gallant, funny enough, and they let him go because they wanted to protect Alex Petrovic. Remember that name. Just remember that name. And Riley Smith. They let Riley Smith go, too. So this whole team forms as a an island of misfit toys. And Jonathan Marcheseau is right at the forefront of it in twenty eighteen with that whole incident and the shooting and how everything came together. They were galvanized. They almost get there, almost win the whole thing. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov put a stop to that, obviously. And, and Braden Holtby,
1: literally on Alex Duck.
0: Yeah, Braden Holtby with the save of the playoffs that year, maybe even the save of the year that year. But, you know, they come back five seasons later, and here they are. And owner Bill Foley said playoffs in three, cup in six. Prophecy fulfilled. Here we are. Cup and six. So, Jonathan Marcheseau, hat off to you. You're a pain in the ass when you're playing against my Rangers, and I wish they would have never given up on you and let you go. But hats off to you. You're a hell of a player. You got it done. uh, Tied for the playoff leading goals, I believe, was either first or second in points. He was
1: tied. He was tied with dry Dry,
0: dry, uh, Tied with dry saddle uh, goals. I'm talking about points.
1: Uh, points i think he was second
0: second yeah so but um i don't i don't care about brett howden whatever i know people are gonna ranger fans are gonna say this up Brett Howden. it's on the cup let that one be uh, whatever as the oh,
1: meme i, I put know. out last night about that uh filk uh brett howden is on the cup michael roosevelt is on the cup michael delzato is on the cup it's it's just a fact of life that's how it is yeah and it, y-
0: that's how it is it it happens he wasn't a He wasn't a major contributor, but, I mean, good for him. I I don't really care. But Jonathan Marchessault, and even more so, Jack Eichel, for what you went through in Buffalo and how Kevin Adams dragged him through the mud and that organization wouldn't let him go, held him hostage, basically, he goes and he gets a cup there. Good for you, Jack. You deserved it. He played well, and he shot a lot of critics up who thought he was – a soft, one-dimensional player that wouldn't get it done in the playoffs too on en- route to getting that cup. So good for Jack Eichel as well.
1: And of course, uh, as you were mentioning before, how the Rangers had John in the March or so. There have been Islander fans that have been saying on how, oh, if only we held on to Carter Verhage, Anthony. You would obviously contradict them on that because it took him two more stops before eventually Verhage became the player he, that he became. But also, what were your thoughts on the Stanley Cup Finals?
2: Um, I mean, you could tell Vegas was clearly, you know, the better team. Um, you know, if it weren't for Kachuk's heroics with tying the game in Game Three, um, you know, this could have been a sweep. Uh, so, you know, Vegas just outmatched them. Like I said, they they played with a much more pace in their game. Um, they're a deeper team. Uh, and then ultimately, honestly, I mean, I, I don't want to put the blame on one player, and that's not really what I'm doing, but. Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, kind of almost reverted back to the Bobrovsky during the regular season. Um, he wasn't nearly as good as he was in the prior rounds, um, you know, and that and that was honestly the difference maker. Um, Aiden Hill outplayed him, uh, and Bobrovsky, while, you know, there were some games that he certainly held the Panthers in it overall, um, you know, his play dropped significantly, and I think, you know, that obviously hurt the Panthers a lot. Um, and then also, you know, Kachuk, fracturing his damn sternum in game three and, you know, then playing game four, you know, through that, I mean, that kind of hurt them too. I mean, he's definitely their best player and him not at full health, um, you know, hurt them for sure. But overall, you just got to give Vegas the kudos. I mean, they, they went out, they had a job to do and they outplayed Florida and every really every facet of the game, um, you know, and, and don't forget, they got, comp- they got contributions from even like, you know, the, the lesser known players, like, Amadio was solid for them. Um, you know, Nicholas Waugh was, was good. good. Uh, Brett Howden, um, you know, even Sar Those guys played hard. You know, they played hard. They chipped in. Uh, and then on top of that, you had their their best players being their best players. as Marceau, Eichel, you know, William Carlson, Riley Smith. So, they got contributions up and down the lineup. Aiden Hill was great. Um, you know, and it was the perfect storm for them to win their first Stanley Cup. So, good on them. Um, you know, now it's now at the beginning of a new season. We'll we'll see which directions these two teams go and you know, if they really make many much changes. But um overall, I mean, it wasn't one of the most entertaining Stanley Cup final yeah. in the last couple of years. But, <laughs> you know, it's still it was still fun to watch if you're a diehard hockey fan. I thought game one was good. Game three was good. Game two was a snooze fest.
1: Game four was good. And game five. I'm going to give my thoughts on game five in just a moment. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I have to look at this series as a whole and just think if Vegas. I think everybody grossly underestimated underestimated Vegas's depth. And I think it's because it seemed like they were top heavy versus Dallas, but their depth really showed in, in this series. Yeah, Another thing about this series was we kind of thought, it was going to be um, Aiden Hill coming back to earth. And it was Sergei Bobrovsky that came back to earth. Bobrovsky had that huge save in game three, where uh, I think it was about with the four minutes remaining, he kicked out the, the left bed to make a big stop. And then uh, Panthers would go back the other way inside. As Willie's saying right here, Panthers finally yeah. look like the team that just stuck in.
0: I, you can't say it any better.
1: Yeah. Great yeah. run still, but Vegas has been building this team uh towards this for years. I think you're right about that. And I think I think there's not enough credit a little bit to what Florida built this year. They 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 tried to take a step back to move forward. And you see that sometimes with organizations, we're going to get to more about that in a minute. Um but it's something that you can't you like know, can't just quantify I always talk about it, Phil, the Brandon Shanahan trade. Like, where does Detroit go? In 1996, they just had the most points ever in the history of the NHL. And then they're like, all right, what are we missing? I mean, we got Dino Cicerelli. They got plenty of tough guys. They moved out Dino Cicerelli, who, um, if my memory serves correctly, I think he did have a 30-goal season that year. We'll check on that in
0: a second. 97, yes.
1: Right. And then... You move back in Brandon Shanahan, who was unhappy being in Hartford for yeah. Paul Coffey, who was unhappy being in Hartford after that. And, and, and you move out Keith Primo, who is another guy that everybody went, wow, they're trading Keith Primo? Like, two? That, that guy's got a whole lot of toughness. And then you go and they win the next two cups, and they manhandle the, the avalanche in 97. They, I think they beat them in six. But still beating the Avalanche in six, I mean, they they were the ones that were swatted out in six the first time around. So when you look at what what Vegas was able to do, like their defense, their defense, they they, they run out five, uh, five of the best six the league sees every single night um, from top to bottom. And then you might get whoever on the sixth defense. And then you kind of looked at their, as, as far as a matchup in a playoff series, Phil. They uh they split up Carlson and uh it was because it was Carlson, Eichel. The, the Carlson line ended up being the matchup line. And I think it was him, Riley Smith, and I think Brett Howden at one point. But then I, I have to remember what my lines were. But Carlson as a matchup center was just fantastic in this series. Um I'm just recalling all the, the Vegas forwards at the moment. But like then it came to game. Let me just get to game five. I got I gotta get to this. Game five, Florida scores uh, second or to tie the, oh no, Florida made it, uh, Vegas made it 2-0, Florida made it 2-1. Vegas then comes out 5-1 by the end of the second period. Oof, yeah. Barrage. In the third period, Philk and I got into a de- debate with people on Twitter about this. In the third period, Vegas was still pressing the Florida blue line for turnovers, and converted a couple more goals. Their final score was 9-3. Did they needlessly run it up in this game?
0: No. It's, it, it, it is a Stanley Cup. You were playing for the Stanley Cup, and that's it. And it's funny because we always have this discussion when it comes to like playing against a team in a beer league. When they're running up the score, oh, what are you playing for the Stanley Cup? What is it, game seven of the Stanley Cup finals? No, this is the Stanley Cup clinching game. They do everything that they possibly can do to make sure that they win that game, and they did. I have nothing, I have no problem with it. I don't. The only thing I have a problem with is the fact that this series was probably the least entertaining Stanley Cup final series I've watched in a very, very long time probably going back to when Detroit swept Washington in 1998 because that series was was just – I mean, I loved seeing Detroit winning back-to-back, especially for Konstantinov being in the wheelchair and everything like that. But, boy, was this series just not fun. And the refereeing was horrendous in this series. Mm -hmm. Just – you know what? I really – I don't think Florida would have beaten Vegas regardless, but I would have liked to have seen it with officiating on even grounds and consistent officiating because that, that's part of what made this series just so boring to watch because Florida just felt like they were fighting off, not only Vegas, but they were fighting off the officials as well. And you want a call to call the reputation fine. You do that in the regular season, not in the playoffs. It's unacceptable yeah. to do in the playoffs. You just can't do it. But again, I'm not, I'm not giving Florida an excuse I don't think they would have beaten Vegas regardless after seeing how this series went. But you just cannot call the game the way that they called it. And, and it just, it, it, one, it, it makes the game far less entertaining. Two, it makes the game about the officials, not about the players that are actually playing the game on the ice. Three, it takes away from the overall product. And, and just, I, I just wanted to see a fun, because this was a series where I really didn't care one. I didn't. Yeah, I thought Florida was going to win, but if you remember one thing I said, and I think it really came into factor because Vegas played like it. They those guys still had that sour taste in their mouths from 2018, and a lot of those guys are still on that team. So um, five of them, they all started last night. Yeah. So the so I I, I would uh, quote Uma Thurman in Kill Bill and just say. Stanley Cup, we have unfinished business because that's really what it was, and that was the mentality that they came in with.
1: Anthony, what do you think? Last night, did, uh, did Vegas run it up on Florida?
2: No. I think Vegas was just <clears> – <throat> they were just pushing the – you know they were pushing the pace, controlling the game, and it was a 2-1 game. You know, It was a 2-1 game. Florida scored that goal and kind of got back in it. And after they scored that goal, Florida actually had a couple chances to tie it after that Vegas took the game away and I think you know Vegas scored those goals three and four came pretty close together back to back um and they they were just rolling and look you know in that situation you're, you're trying to win the Stanley Cup you're trying to you know accomplish a dream that you had when you were a little kid and first had aspirations of playing in the NHL and you know in this league you you, you can see what can happen a, a league can vanish in the blink of the eye and you know 4-1 it's like yeah the game's in the bag but those players aren't going to take that chance of, of the Panthers getting back in the game. So no, they, they kept playing their game and they kept scoring goals. I, I don't, I don't think they're running it up. I don't think they did anything wrong. Um, you know, I think Florida's spirit got broken after that fourth goal um, and Vegas kept playing and, and Florida, you know, didn't, they basically, you know, <laughs> uh, put it, took down their tent and went home at that point. Um, kind yeah. of the Bobrovsky out the dry too, but uh it was a defeated team they ran out of gas and Vegas took advantage of it i have no i have no problem with vegas doing what they did they were just playing the game of hockey and trying to you know make sure they had the cup wrapped up so no no issue with it at all um the panthers like i said they just they just ran out of gas and they were defeated morally and i think you know they kind of just at that point just wilted i think there's a little bit
1: of running it up right there and i do i do kind of say it's a little bit of like God of War, the um the remake there, the the, uh, the updated version that came out where uh, Atreus walks up to Modi and he's just bloody and beaten and Atreus stabs him and he falls off the cliff and they say, well, we're gods. We could do whatever I mean, we want. There's a little bit of that. Come on. I, I don't know. Ninth, I disagree was, there.
2: Because like, I mean, let you know, five, let, when it was five, one, let's just say, you know, Vegas lets off the gas a little bit. The Panthers score, it's 5-2. It's a three-goal lead. You see how many times a three-goal lead has vanished over the course of this playoffs? There, I've yeah, seen oh, it, but not with eight finished. minutes remaining. I, no. I,
0: I, I was going to say, I, I count. I think I've counted more games with three-goal leads this year in the playoffs mm. that have had evaporated than in any year in recent memory.
1: Yeah, most of them were the LA Kings, too. So <laughs> that also... It was a problem right there. We have one more question for the A block, but first, everybody, we got to take a message for, uh, from DraftKings for you guys right now. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Okay, everybody, and again, continuing on with the A block. I haven't been able to use this in the last couple of weeks, but I had to go back to it also as well. The last question about the Stanley Cup Finals is, here we have Florida and Vegas, who came on short the last couple of years. And Anthony, let me start with you. What lessons should the Islanders and the Rangers take
2: from the Panthers and the Golden Knights? Um, Well, I guess first, what you could take from Florida is that kind of the obvious. um, All you got to do is just get in and anything can happen. Um, You know, so the Panthers, we stated numerous times, if the the Penguins didn't somehow laughably lose to the Blackhawks at home, (laughs) they they wouldn't have even made the damn playoffs. Um, So, yeah. And the Blackhawks wouldn't have had Connor Bedard. Yeah, yeah. That's the crazier part. The, 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 you know, what-if scenario in a couple of years will will be epic on that whole thing. But, um, yeah, you just got to win and get in. So I think not just the Rangers and Islanders, but I think, honestly, what this might do, uh, you know, going forward is, you know, if you're a team, and let's say you're, you know, four points out of the playoff spot and you're at the trade deadline and, you know, you see that the teams around you are kind of all on the same level, you know, maybe – Maybe you still buy or, you know, maybe still do whatever you got to do to try to get in. Because, again, you know, I mean, it's rare, but anything can happen once you get in. So um, I think the Rangers and Islanders can can take that from Florida Um, and from Vegas. I I think it's just the fact that you you need you need skilled players who could play a gritty game. Um, You know, if if you if you really look at it like Jonathan Marsh is always small in stature. And yeah, you know, he's his main thing is scoring an offense. But, you know, he's a pest. He plays hard out there. You know, William Carlson is a definitely a good defensive forward who's, you know, not afraid to grind away. Um, You know, even got like, you know, Mark Stone. I mean, Mark Stone's, you know, he's he's a great captain. He can score. You know, he hits. He's a Selkie, you know, finalist more often than not. Um, So I think you just got to you know, you got to fill your team with guys who are going to raise their game when, you know, in the playoffs, when stuff really gets – when stuff really matters. Um, and then the last part is is that – I mean, they have Sorokin and Shesterkin, so nothing's going to change there. But also, you could, you could win with just, you know, average goaltenders. I mean, Aiden Hill, Darcy Kemper last year, and I think that's going to be something that other teams look at too. You know, hey, do we – you know, like, for instance – Pittsburgh, like, do we mortgage the future to trade for a guy like Connor Hellebuck when, you know, you see teams win with goalies who are just kind of, you know, average? Um, So I think that's another thing that teams are going to look at. But, um, you know, overall, uh, these two teams obviously took very different paths um, that I think a lot of teams are going to, again, they're going to look at. Um, This is a copycat league, right, fellas? I mean, you know, you, you saw the Kachuk for Huberto trade. And, you know, the dividends that paid off. And, you know, I remember when Kyle Dubas had his season under the presser with Toronto, um, you know, he was kind of asked about that. And, you know, he kind of brought that up about how, you know, uh, a trade like that and one for one is something that, you know, he would look at doing. And I think other GMs might, you know, kind of might feel the same way. So um, we'll see what transpires in the offseason, what moves teams make. But I think not just the Rangers and Islanders. I think a lot of teams can kind of learn from how these two teams were, were built. Uh, totally different, but there's, there's, you know, positives to take from, from each of them. Phil, what do you think? What's the lessons you think you could learn from these two teams?
0: Leadership. Um, you, I, I've said this about the Rangers. The Rangers don't have a strong leadership group and they, they don't have a coach that's, Uh, they now they do but they didn't have a coach that was hands-on and really took control of the team when the team needed the ship to be righted so um you you didn't have that in new york but you had that in vegas you have that with mark stone you have leaders like alex petrangelo who was in st louis when they won the company Uh, You know, Jack Eichel was a leader in Buffalo and I know people are going to be like, well, what did Buffalo accomplish with Jack? Eichel?" Jack Eichel was a good leader for that team and that team turned around and dragged him through the mud. I'm not going to get back into that again. I've already beaten that to the dead horse that it is. But the point is that you need strong leadership and you need players that are going to play the type of hockey that it takes to win in the playoffs. And I know that people are going to look at, oh, well, you know, you, you trade the Rangers traded Tony Amante for Brian Noonan and Stefan Mato. Yeah, sometimes those trades, sometimes those trades work out, but you need to bring in those players. And your player that has to be a team-wide mentality. You just can't be certain players that are doing that. And that's what Vegas had. If you watch all their guys up and down the lineup, at is throwing hits, Stone is throwing hits. Uh, Riley Smith throwing hits. William Carlson is doing dirty work. Keegan Colasar throws his weight around like a human wrecking ball. He (laughs) Mm -hmm. threw a bunch of massive hits in that series. Jack Eichel was even laying people out, and Jack Eichel's not known for that. So the other lesson you got to do is you got to buy in. You got to buy in. And if if your team does not buy in, there is zero chance that you will win because a team with conviction is the team that usually comes out on top a team that believes in something, a team that believes in each other, believes in a plan and believes in a mentality. And that's usually the team that wins the Stanley cup. I know Anthony and I, when we were, um, when we were doing off the post back in 2018, we interviewed um, Joe Beninati and Craig Lachlan, And I actually got to interview Alan May in person at the draft that weekend. And one of the things that Joe Beninati had told me or told us rather was that you know they bought into barry trotz because they knew that 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 was their last shot that was their (laughs) last chance to get the job done with barry trotz in washington because things were coming to a head and they bought in and that's why they won that offseason everybody came together they they followed the plan they trusted the process they trusted barry trotz and they came out on top vegas did the same thing Bruce Cassidy came in with a plan. He knew what he wanted to do. He had great talent on that roster, and they bought into him from day one. And you know what? It's funny. I'm going to look back at a tweet that I had. Um, I was in a thread with poker legend Daniel Negreanu. Uh, if anyone is a, a big poker fan, Daniel Negreanu is a big, big hockey fan. Um, he was he's Canadian, wearing...
1: so he has
2: to be.
0: Yeah. He's from Canada. Uh, He's actually a – I believe he's a Ramuski Oceanic fan because he's had their jersey. I've seen him wear their jersey at different events over the years for a very long time. He, back in January, basically was saying, you know, throw the towel in. They're not not any good, this and that. They'd stick a fork in them. They're done. Those players at that time, that team was not playing well. They looked like they were – they were only a few points out of first, but they were not playing good hockey. They were no. very inconsistent. And if um, if there's any lesson to take from that, it's just never give up. St. Louis last in the league, January 1st, 2019. And they won the Stanley Cup. So you've gotta believe. You've gotta buy in.
2: You know, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the Vegas' roster right now to further talking about what we're discussing. I'm looking there's literally not one forward I could say with with conviction that that is soft when I go up and down the line. And maybe maybe Phil Kessel is is a guy, but he's literally the only one. Every every other forward that you see there, their names, they're all capable of playing a grinding, you know, gritty style. And again, to talk like I didn't even realize it, but William Carrier had sixteen goals. Guy's a, has a third, fourth line player who's known for, yep. you know, defensive and hitting, grinding, 16 goals. Nicholas Waugh, 14 goals. Amadeo, 16 goals. These are bottom six players that are scoring, you know, close to
0: depth, over, wins
2: over 20 goals. You know, F- these are guys that have 15 goals or more and they, and they play in the bottom six and they'll, they'll hit you and, and, you know, play good defense. So, um, that it's, it's their team. Their roster was built was built really, really Hold good. On. I, I just want to jump up.
0: in real quick because this is kind of factoring to what you're saying here. This comment from CORE. It has to also be players that contributed heavily and said Stanley Cup, not just your Barkley Goodrow. Yes and no, because Barkley Goodrow was a good player here. He's he's been a good player here. The problem is, is that he's one of the only players that plays in that type of way. And if you want to talk about his skating being a problem, yeah, New Jersey exposed in in that series. But you need more – you need a balance of those guys, but you also need your skill guys to, to buy in and play that physical game come playoff time. Panera needs to take a note from March or so. They're similar size. They're similar mm-hmm. statue. But – Panarin doesn't play anything like him. He disappears come playoff time. March or so shows up, brings his A game, and plays like he's six foot four. He plays like he's Eric Lindros. Panarin plays like Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> why, why is that? It's a mentality. You have to want it. And if Panarin doesn't want it and guys like that don't want it, it's not going to matter how many Barkley Goodros you have or don't have on your team. You're not going to win if your top guys aren't going to want to pay the price. See Mike Madano and Steve Eiserman and what Scotty Bowman and Ken Hodge Hitchcock did for them.
1: Exactly. And and first off, grit has a couple different ways you could twist that around. You guys (laughs) talked about the physical part of grit. Well, it's also just grinding out games sometimes. Yeah. And you looked at uh, the Florida Panthers in game, in round one, I mean, game five. They needed to get to overtime. They end up keeping the, the series going. You ha- And then Bruins had a lead, I believe, twice in the third period of game six, and they grinded out and then won the game in the final minutes. And then Bruins had a, uh, the lead late in game seven. They grinded it out, got the game-tying goal. Carter Verhage, dagger, uh, killed them in overtime. They grinded out, obviously, the four-overtime game against Carolina. They grinded it out. They, they had six OT-winning goals in, in route to the, to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they didn't win. So six out of their 13 wins were because of overtime-winning goals. Uh, that's got to be the most since the Canadians, because the Canadians were, uh, I think that was 10, in route to the Stanley Cup. But So that's for one thing. But depth, 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 and the Vegas Golden Knights truly let us know what depth is yeah and like usually you think depth having an extra forward or two um i i don't think it's i, I don't think the Rangers is going to end up with tom wilson no, i, know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, don't either
0: but i would absolutely take tom wilson on the range. i would yeah, take tom Wilson,
1: know, but i do I have a question is he physically going to be able to do what he what he's been doing in his prime
2: i don't know if that i think he's a little banged up now We're going to see about that. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I mean, the Capitals may very well trade him. I don't see him going to the Rangers, but honestly, Tom Wilson would look good on the Rangers. He's he's capable of playing on the first line. And, you know, he's, he's everything that we've been describing. I mean, every now and then I think we could all agree. He, he, you know, he kind of steps over the line. Um, But I mean, he's a guy you love to hate, but you would love to have him on your team. Um, The guy, Played thirty three games this year and he had twenty two points for, for a guy who's not known to be an offensive player. Yeah, um, that that's his offensive good.
1: game has come a long way.
2: The other caveat to it though is the price on Tom Wilson. Um, the Capitals no, are just they're yeah. going to ask for they're going to ask for a lot, and you know, I mean, the Rangers. Well, if will, will
1: Cooley, Tom Wilson, go right ahead. You better what emulate him. If Will Cooley. Who they say he fashions his game after Tom Wilson? Yeah, uh, you want to do it, you better, you better do it in. Yeah, in the I, I think
0: this is more likely. I think the, I think the Rangers will end up with Garnet Hathaway, and
1: and I agree with that 100. percent
0: I, I think that I, you know what, that's one prognostication that I, I'm pretty safe in making. I, 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 think they're going to get him, and I, you know what, Jesper fast would be a good addition as well, bringing him back. But I think Garden Hathaway with his size and his strength would be the one that I think they're going to go after.
1: But just to finish my point, Vegas, depth, depth, depth. They weren't that deep to, to not make the playoffs last year. But then this year, you want to see a test their depth. Usually you talk about an extra forward or two, uh, that seventh defenseman that makes a difference, whether it's uh, Doug Lister for the 94 Rangers or Braden Coburn a little bit, or uh, I think Noah Dobson was a seventh defenseman one year with the Islanders. Um, but Vegas went through five goaltenders this season Talk and three in on. the play and, and two in the playoffs. I'm sorry. And turning, turning from Lauren Brassois to Aiden Hill and saying, Aiden, um, can you please save us? And the guy turned in a Patrick Watt
2: type of playoffs. You know, it's funny. Aiden, Aiden Hill was traded to them in August where news is kind of slow. And it's like, when it happens like Aiden Hill for whatever it was, a, fourth fifth round pick everyone kind of just dismisses it and be like yeah oh, you know whatever turns out he's the guy that ultimately wins them the stanley cup so you know. yeah um that's <laughs> crazy yeah that, yeah that, I, that is- I don't know if we've ever seen anything like that
1: yeah and by the and by the way just to mention this aiden hill 932 save percentage filk who's in second place right now in the nhl playoffs with a 931 igor shesterkin anthony who's in
2: third place with a 929 <laughs> I think you asked us this question a week. I have. I asked you for the sailing Cup finals. Ilya Ilya Sorokin. Um, I mean,
1: that's that's insane just to think about that those guys put in those type of save percentages and their teams lost that series. But, look, there's still a lot of things. And, obviously, uh, Vegas, we're going to be talking more about them and their potential in a moment. But we've got to go to the bar, everybody.
2: Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. Let me say beer. I can't
0: even begin to describe.
1: I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. Welcome back, everybody, because it's time for Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? So-so, I'll just have a beer or, oh, give me a shot. I just want a shot. All right, play along down in the comments below. And as, as always, we're uh, sponsored by Drizzly. Why go to the liquor store and make it a Drizzly night? You got a barbecue? You got something? Can't get out there? Have somebody else bring everything to you. And of course, as I keep plugging, the Big Apple Hockey Trucker hats, they're in the link below. So we're going to start first with the Islanders because you look at some of the potential roster moves that they can make, Anthony. And JG Peugeot has three years remaining at $5 million, a limited no trade clause that kicked in July 1st last year. The Islanders should move out JG Peugeot.
2: You know, I, I, I love Peugeot. I know why a lot of Senator fans were set to see him go. Cause you know, when he's out there, you know, he cares and he gives it his heart and soul. Um, you know, and you know, he is, he is capable of scoring, you know, 20 goals, but, um, I think, and Lou, you know, Lou kind of, you know, actually it was Elliot Friedman that, that said it um, after Lou had his presser. You know, he said Lou's very calculated and, you know, he he does and says things for a reason. And he said during his presser, he went out of his way to talk about how they had five NHL centers, you know, Barzell, Horvat, Nelson, Sezikis, and Pajot. And that, you know, if should something come along that would get them stronger in another area, you know, he, he would look at it and he kind of thought he, you know, he speculated, which Friedman always does that wondering, you know, if he said that to kind of let GMs know that, you know, he's willing to trade a center and we all know it's not Borzell, it's not Borzell, Horvat, or Nelson. Um, Pazzo would be the guy. Um, I, I think, you know, we talked about it. They need more speed at the wing position. You know, Lee and Palmieri are probably their, their two best scoring wings. And, you know, Lee, 28 goals, nothing to sneeze at. You know, it's it's one dimensional the way he gets his goals in front and he's not the best skater, um, you know, and, and Palmieri is what he is. You know, he, he's a good piece, but he's not – you don't want him to be a primary goal scoring on the wing. So if they, in a perfect world, could, you know, trade Pajot in either a hockey trade for a similar winger or just trade him for, you know, a, a prospect or a pick and then use the cap space and go out um, and get – you know, to improve at the wing position, it could work out that way too. Um, thing is, they plan on leaving Barzell at the wing, most likely, so they would still need to go out and sign a cheaper third-line center. But um, I think it could be it could be the right move. I mean, it might hurt them in, in the face-off circle and you know, in penalty kill situations. But um, you know, when you have a surplus at something, right, a strength, sometimes you got to move something out of your strength to improve. Um, the weakness. So, you know, part of me wants to say round, but um, I'm going to stick with beer just because I, I, you know, I, I do love Pajot. I just, uh, I think it, it would make a lot of sense. So we'll, we'll see what Lou does, but uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Phil, what do you think? I'm going around.
0: Uh, I, I, I always, I thought that this was an excess luxury type trade, you know, to get a player like that. I mean, great great third-line center, probably one of the best in the league in terms of an act, like a third-line center, can even play in your top six and pinch. Very good player. Swiss Army knife type. And a lot of teams would love to have him. But I, I think at this point they need to address other areas. And you're not going to get the money that you need, the cap space that you need to go get a, a sniping winger that they need in that top six without moving some salary like Paggio. Pajot's got to move. Bailey's got to move to open up that space. And you know what? You're you're going to lose some depth, yeah. But you know what? This is it right here. Your your third liners should not be making in the range of five to six million dollars. It's just too much. Just too much. No matter how good someone like JG Pajot is, uh, the cap when it goes up, then you know you could revisit that discussion. But as of right now, you cannot have a third line player making five million dollars change. So uh, I, I think it should be around. I know that I'm. I'll I'll get some backlash from my Islander fans probably about that. But you've got to improve in other areas, and I, I've I've said it for years. They need a top flight goal scoring winger, and acquiring one is not going to be easy when you have a five million dollar third line center. It's just what it
1: is. And and also what is what is Sezikis now? Is he 2.5? Uh Anthony is or is...
2: two 2.5. But yeah, you he know, used to he, be he's, like 3.5, he's, but he took the he's term the perfect, on that. He's the perfect fourth line center. So yeah. leave, leave him be where leave him be where uh, he is. And
1: oh no, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying you, you got a lot of money invested in your players. Yeah.
0: But you could uh, move him up and he could play third line center. Yeah, he could. He's capable. He could. And he I, he I would agree with Anthony, he's probably head. better on the fourth. He is probably better on the fourth, but he's capable of being a third line center, especially if you've got depth on the wings and you got two good two-way wingers with him. Yeah, he can play as your third line center. You have a cheaper fourth line center and then you can go get the sniper that you need.
2: Yeah, he he's the only he's the only one in that best fourth line that still has, you know, a lot of game left in him. So he he could move up to the third line and and still Fourth line so, centers yeah. are easy
0: to replace. Just yeah. remember that. Yeah. That's the that's the harder part. Replacing the third-line center is going to be the harder part. So you got to think of, yeah. the terms of asset management. You you have a third-line center that you could put there. Yeah. The fourth-line center is far easier to replace.
1: Uh, I'm actually going to go beer on this I because I am a big guy that praises J.G. Pajot's game. Although I wonder if the physical game has kind of taken a toll on him as a game overall. He did have 40 points last year, uh, but I think only 17 goals. It's it's one of those things that the Islanders do have a luxury, as Phil said before, there is uh, they've got a, a, a luxury of centers and amount of centers so you can move one out. And even if you can move him out, let's say eat two million dollars of that contract or even get rid of make a full hockey trade, get rid of the full contract because he's got two more years at five million and then you get rid of. Josh Bailey at the same time that clears up close to $10 million. The Islanders could go out and make noise, get a big free agent. And then, cause the Islanders have something else that they could do. Zach Parise hasn't made up his mind yet. So if, even if you take away from the wing, you might be able to convince Parise to come back for one more season and then you have Parise under a million dollars. He just scored 20 goals this year. So the Island, I think the Islanders have that ability to do that. I think he's is, it, is it something crazy. you plan on? I know you're shaking your head, Phil. Go ahead.
0: I, I think he's getting a raise if he comes back. I think he's making more than a million, maybe closer to two if he comes back.
1: It's still a great discount. Oh, of course. Anthony, you take who would you take right good. now? Uh, Zach Parise at
2: $2 million or Josh Bailey at his full contract?
0: <laughs> Zach,
2: Zach, Zach, lay Parise. up. Yeah, Zach Parise, ain't no question about it. Lay up. Yeah,
1: because that's that's the big thing, guys. It's not just a matter of who you get. You can get anybody, but you have to get the right player. Speaking of getting the right player, the Vegas Golden Knights got Ivan Barbashev, seven goals and eleven assists, eighteen points in the playoffs. He was fantastic on that line with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marchessault. Chris Drury made a mistake by acquiring Patrick Kane over Ivan Barbashev. Philk.
0: I feel like you're recycling things now because I've already talked about this quite a few times, actually. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm going to say round at this point just because I, I think that they needed more grit. And it's nothing against Patrick Kane, who actually played all right. Um, it's It's the fact that they needed somebody could give you a little more physically, that had a little more speed, that was built more to play in the playoffs, and that's, you know, hindsight's 2020, and you you thought maybe Patrick king was holding out, uh, going to save that extra gear for the playoffs, and he did at times. At times, he was one of the re- the better Ranger forwards, but Ivan Barbashev probably would have been able to give in this team a little more at both ends of the ice, and that would have helped them, especially against the Devils, who really smothered them with their speed.
2: Anthony. Mark, you know, I was banging this drum a lot saying that I, I thought Drury should have gone a guy like Barbashev would have made more sense. And again, I get why he got Kane. The guy was basically begging to play for your franchise. He's one of the best American-born players ever. So I think Drury felt obligated. But man, Barbashev would have fit the Rangers much better and would have made them much more of a dangerous team in the playoffs. So, um, you know, like Phil said, hindsight's twenty-twenty, but – uh, this is a round and I got to tell you about Barbashev, you know, on, you know, he he's, he's going to be laughing all the way to the bank. Cause there are going to be a lot of teams lot, come July 1st that are calling his agent and his phone, blowing it up after his playoff performance that combined with, you know, his 60 point season uh, here, yep. St. Louis. Um, he He's a real solid player and he's going to garner a lot of, a lot of interest could Drury, you know, right or wrong? I mean, if he works the cap, I mean, maybe I still think he fits the Rangers, but um, I think he's going to be in high interest this summer.
1: I'm actually not going to make this a hat trick, guys. I'm going to go down to the beer on this. And the reason why is just because the asking price was just a little bit too high on Barbashev. It's so, it's so hard to believe. That, yeah, it would have been a top prospect and definitely a first round pick. It is hard to believe. No, that the Rangers. It was, got-
0: it was just Zach Dean who was a top yes. prospect.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Was so you would have had prospects?
0: to give something up along the lines of, like, Brennan Hoffman.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not giving up Brennan Othman. Not right now. Because I don't know exactly what I'm getting from Kaka and Lafreniere, even though I'm writing an article right now about how the, the Rangers can't give up on him yet. But the thing about it is that the asking price was probably a little bit too high. It was less to get Patrick Kane. Kane was knocking on the door to get here. You had Panarin. And uh, just trying to campaign to get him here. I mean, even Kane was kind of himself was saying it in the media. So you kind of thought, all right, maybe this could work. And you know, if if you got lightning in a bottle, Patrick Kane from 2013, then that would have been fantastic. Or 2015, either one. Uh, but unfortunately, they got Patrick Kane with a bad hip. Not really much you could do about that, guys. Las Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley cup last night and we've had not many repeats the last couple of years. We've had a couple uh, back-to-back ones, Tampa Bay and uh, Pittsburgh before that. And Pittsburgh was the first back-to-back champ since Detroit. 90. Yeah. The Vegas golden Knights won't win another Stanley cup within the next three seasons. And uh, I'll start with you. Philk. I'm
0: going to say shot. Um, I, I really wonder when the cap problems start to come into play. I think they're losing Barbashev this offseason, like Anthony said. He had a 60-point year a couple of years ago. Um, real big playoff year for them. Key contributor. He's going to get paid. People get paid from playoff runs. You look at Brian Bickle. It's one of the more recent ones that you could take a look at. And he had a great playoff run in 2013. He got paid for it. He ended up getting sent to uh, you know Carolina, and Chicago had to give up Tavo Taravainen to make that deal happen to Carolina, which is crazy to think about. But um, I I really – Vegas has a good core. I think they're going to be contenders for a while. I don't know if they're going to win one. I think Colorado's going to eventually be back. Um, I wonder about Gabriel Landeskog and what's going to happen for his career because he's going to be out for the the year, and who knows what's going to happen with him going forward. But Colorado's got a ton of pieces regardless. Um, And then you've got a great core between – You know, McKinnon, Rantanen, uh, McCarr, uh, Taves, they've got pieces in place. So I I really look for Colorado to make a rebound next year because they're probably going to go out and make a big acquisition with the space that they're going to get from Landis Coggs, LTIR. And then, uh, I mean, Dallas, I I, I know that the question is going to be with Dallas. When does the clock strike on Joe Pavelski? You know what? We all thought it was going to be this year. And then it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And Pavelski's game is not predicated on speed or anything else. The only thing you got to worry about with him is the head now. It's the concussions. Mm-hmm. So when, when does that catch up to him? When does he decide to finally hang it up? Um, you know, you got to look at teams like I would say Florida could go and make moves and be back there. I uh, mean, depending on what they do with the goaltending, they, they, they could be back if they add some depth. Uh, the Rangers, if they get things right, could be there you know if if they're if if they buy into La Violette, maybe they end up getting there. You've got other teams that are ready to make that you know that next step, and you've got some young teams on that are gonna be on the rise. the devils are gonna be a team that you're gonna have to worry about for for years to come so uh i i I see it as a shot,
2: okay, oh a shot all right, yeah. yeah. Anthony? I go beer. Um, you know, I think for the most part, next year their team won't look totally different. I mean, Barbashev might not be back, and Brett Howden's an RFA. He'll, he'll get re-signed. But a lot of their core, like Eichel and, and Riley Smith, Carlson, Stone, they're all locked up defensive-wise. A lot of their defensemen are, are signed for the next couple of years. Um, LTIR, you got to remember that, though. Yeah, that's, that is true. Um, but, I, I don't know, I think – I. I I mean, it's hard to say because listen, there's so many good teams. But again, next year I think they're going to have a very similar team. Um, you know, I like their core. Um, so yeah, it's possible. I'm not going to guarantee anything, but I'm not. I'm not going to say round or shot just because I can't definitively say. But I think next year they'll they'll be right back up there with Colorado and Dallas. And who knows? Anything can happen. So I'll, I'll go beer. I have to go beer on this. I can't go. I can't go round and guarantee it. Because I think I got to agree
1: with Phil. At what time does cap penalties and the cap just catch up to them? What time does it, when does their talent pool catch up to them? Because they traded basically everybody that ever was associated with them at the beginning and in the first round. And so, so they can go and, and make this run. The, um, the other thing is they are well coached. You get the people that say, hey, uh, Vegas doesn't deserve it. Well, why? I mean, they beat the Florida Panthers, who were the darling of the playoffs. They beat the Dallas Stars, who were a damn good team in the regular season and a team that is going to be reckoned with next year. They beat the best player in the game and the second best player in the game. And every time in this playoff run that you counted Vegas out, they not only won the next game, but usually it was a resounding win. I mean, yeah, they had a couple of uh, OT games in Winnipeg that could have gone the other way and been disastrous for them. But instead, they end up winning that series in five. Vegas is going to be a team to be reckoned with. Do they win another cup? I can't guarantee that. There's no way I could do that. Well, looking at that crowd outside of uh, T-Mobile Arena, I mean, right by New York, New York. Phil, we were standing there last year uh, during our video for the game. That the large crowds outside of there, nineteen thousand packed into that arena. Vegas is a top ten hockey town, guys. I'm going to start this right now, and I'll, I'm going to I'm going to buy around on this. Uh, I'm I'm almost going to say it's a layup. You could say whether or not it's it's not, but it's it's a tourist destination. They have they have gravitated to the hockey team just like Nashville. They were the first uh, they were the first one in town. Uh, I, I was referring to the Nashville Predators, obviously, because the Titans got their second. But this is this is this has been like Vegas born to
2: borrow their uh, their hashtag, Anthony. Um, I mean, yeah. Ho- listen, hockey kind of worked in Vegas right from the start. So they, uh, you know, you saw the shots uh, last night of everyone outside just filling up the entire area. Um, you know, I, I do know hockey is very, very popular in Vegas. My wife's cousin, they live out there and he says that, you know, the Golden Knights are like the, the biggest thing out there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't like I'm not going to sit here and try to name, you know, nine better markets than them or whatnot or actually say a number on it. But just just, you know, kind of generally speaking. Uh, yeah, sure. They're, they're, they're a hockey town. They're, they work there. The fans love their team. Uh, atmosphere is great in the building. One of the best from what I hear. Uh, so I'll, I'll go, I'll go around here. Philk.
0: I mean, I know Anthony didn't want to get into, you know, numbers just because of the fact that, you know, he didn't really want to play, um, I guess the numbers game and, and ranking. And, and I mean, I, when I think about it, uh, I mean, immediately right off the bat, I go to the two top Canadian teams. I go to, I go to Toronto and I go to Montreal and I say, those are probably the two biggest hockey markets that are out there right now. Um, I, I look at the Rangers. I, I look at them because they're a big market and their games are almost always sold out. Um, they're, they're almost always to capacity and in the playoffs that though the garden is just nuts in the playoffs if you've ever been to a playoff game in the garden. um, You could definitely argue it. Um, I would say I, I would say, I, I'm gonna say beer. I, I, I think that they're they've gotten a really strong market, and I'm happy that they're actually succeeding. Because if this project would have failed, then people would have been looking at Gary Bettman like, what the hell are you doing? And I think maybe Gary Bettman's head gets called for at that point. But Vegas succeeding the way that they did, having that first season the way that they did, and just even being there when we were there last February, not this past one, but the one before February 22 for the All-Star game, just just the the, the atmosphere around it. And then like having – Having teams close to them, like Arizona, is close to them. You know, you got the California teams that aren't too far. Like Vegas has had hockey; and they, the roller hockey's been popular in Vegas for a long time as well. So this is this has worked out really well, and I'm happy that they have. So let's let's see Seattle with that same success, and you know, hopefully Seattle continues to, to push forward and and get better, um, so that this way they can go and say they have the same rule. We've lost Anthony there. But, um, you know, hopefully Seattle has a similar, you know, level of success going forward. But, yeah, I, I, I would say there's definitely an argument to Vegas being top ten.
1: And, and, of course, unfortunately we have to mention that when the the franchise started, the shooting that happened at Mandalay Bay, the Golden Knights really galvanized with the community – helping it heal. And they're, they're, it's, they're part of that city. That city yeah. is just as much Las Vegas golden Knights hockey as it is. It's probably more so Vegas golden Knights hockey than it is Raiders football. Raiders are sort of like um, to borrow almost, I don't want to use the term, but borrowing a civil war term, carpetbagger, they just kind of came on in uh that's or mercenary you could you argue they just came in because they were like, Oh hey, and now you got the a's that are gonna be going there likely soon uh and I'm trying to run out a little bit more time to make sure I got Anthony coming back in a second. We might have to start the next one already as we're up to about fifty nine minutes on the show, yeah, all right, Philk Florida Panthers, they had six overtime wins. Out of thirteen in the playoffs, I mentioned that in the A block, the Panthers were more of a Cinderella run than a contender run.
0: Yeah, I mean everybody's going to look at it that way. That way, I'm going to stay around here just because I think a lot of people will look at it this way, and it's not just because of the overtime wins, but the fact that they snuck into the playoffs. They had to basically take down the beast that was the Boston Bruins. Funny enough, that their their mascot is basically a bear. They're what they're based around is is a giant bear, a Bruin. So uh, the cat took down the bear, and they went on to Toronto. Toronto was then, uh, you know, I don't think Toronto was favored uh, by any means just because Florida took down the best team in the league, took down a 65-win team. And then, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I would say that they are a uh, – I would say it was more of a Cinderella run. And, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at them as, like, a contender. They, I think they'd have to make some real moves to get back and then maybe, maybe get a little lucky again. But, again, poker players will tell you they'd rather be lucky than good because you can make all the moves in the world, all the right moves, still lose. But you need that luck sometimes to really win.
1: Anthony, what do you think? Uh, were the Panthers more of a Cinderella run than a contender?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think I think absolutely. Um, You know, they granted they were expected to be a lot better this season going into the year, based on last year's season. But um, I think for sure, just how they got in the playoffs, how Bobrovsky found his game at the right time. Um, You know, Kachuk was basically every anything he touched went into the net, especially in clutch moments. Um, So. I think this is a round, um and honestly based like based on their team and what they have going on, the cap situation, I think next year I don't think it's a guarantee they they make the playoffs. I think they'll they'll be in a battle, their division's real good um you know there's gonna, there's gonna be better teams battling for the wild card, other teams are going to improve um I, so I don't think it's a lock they even make the playoffs next year. I think it's going to be a dog a dog fight the whole time, so we'll yeah. see. You know, I think it's a little
1: bit of both. And that's why I'm going to go down the beer on this. I think that they were trying to build a game that was going to be successful in the playoffs. I think that's what they were working towards the entire time. And it was a process. And everybody kept on saying, well, they're built for the playoffs. They're really built for the regular season. Well, you still got to make the playoffs. That's part of the problem. Uh, But getting to them, once they beat the the once they beat the Bruins, and all along, I said to people, I got Bruins in six. I don't think it's going to be all that easy. Oh, no, no. What are you, crazy? No, Florida's a good team. They're, they're going to run. Bobrovsky turning into a wall was something they didn't expect. He really wasn't in game six. But, again, I keep going back to game six as being a more impressive thing. Sure, winning in overtime is one thing. But when you win a back-and-forth game where you had the lead in game in game six, they lost the lead. They got it back. They lost it again. And then they tie it with Kachuk and then win it. Uh, I always want to call him Luz Duranin, but I think that's the wrong name. Uh, it's the really long finish name. That's yeah, you know Luz it. Okay, thank you. Um, I mean, Florida definitely had the moxie. And after the second round, when they served notice to Toronto that they're for real, they really served that notice to Carolina. I know the I know Pete will tell me Carolina, uh, they really had more chances. They outplayed them. Their goaltender was amazing. But when Florida needed the goal, Florida got it. That's it's just that simple. And I do think this is this lean Cinderella run, but it was more like um, luck by design, if you will, as you were saying with poker. So, uh, and there's lots of times it's sort of like Florida had an open-ended straight draw and flush draw the entire time to borrow the poker term. Yeah. All right. Uh, by the way, we have an article from one of our new writers uh, to pay or not to pay. Yes, we That is on big apple hockey from Neil from Devil's state of mind. Everybody check that out. And Philk, the Dying question right now is both Jesper Bratt and Timo Meyer are both RFAs this year and are both going to be paid big money. Anthony, I'll start with you. The Devils will have more difficulty signing Bratt than they will Meyer.
2: It's a tough question. Um, I both think, you know, after Bratt only getting, you know, a one-year deal last offseason would surprise some people. I think this is the year he's going to get a long term deal um, I think Meyer you know is going to look to cash in too. It's just you know he's one more year r f a year left um I mean so I guess theoretically they could sign him to a one year deal and kick the can down the road like they did with brat but um I don't know based on how what they what they did with brat last summer um i tend I tend to think that this is accurate um I think Brat might be a little bit harder. Um, you know, they they invested a lot in the trade for Meyer, so I certainly think they're going to do everything they can to, you know, retain him and give him a long term deal. Um, I I I would imagine both in a perfect world would want you know eight years. I don't know if the Devils are going to give eight to both, but um, you're looking at you know eight million AAV for both of them probably. I think that's the the ballpark you're looking in. Um, so the Devils are going to invest a lot of years and money in these two. Uh, however, I do think Meyer is going to be a little bit easier. So I'll go, I'll go around here. Phil, what do you think?
0: I think that that's absolutely around. I, I think they may even look to move Brad. I I just think that when I look at that team, uh, I I look at a team that may have cap problems in the future if they go and, and spend a bunch of money on, big money on both of these guys. So in, in the next few years, you're you're looking at, I mean, thankfully, they, they got Jack Hughes under control. They got Nico Hesha under control. They have Andre Pilat at $6 million for another four years going mm-hmm. forward. Um, you're you're going to have to worry about giving deals to Dawson Mercer after next year and then restricted free agents this upcoming offseason Nathan Bastian, Jesper Boquist, Jesper Bratt, Michael McLeod, Timo Meyer, Igor Sharangovich and then unrestricted Holla, Wood, Tatar are they going to look for, to bring back Miles Wood or are they finally going to move on from him Eric Holler will probably get money elsewhere I would imagine Tomas Tatar I, I think he goes to the highest bidder. I don't think he's back. But then and then again, you got to replace that production somewhere, somehow. So for me, I, I know that they have a ton of cap space to work with because they just don't have anyone. They re, They only have really four forwards right now under contract. And then they have four defensemen. And then they, uh, well, have five technically with Luke Hughes. But, I mean, they have five defensemen under contract. And then Kevin Ball is a uh, RFA. Ryan Graves is a UFA. And then you got to worry about McKenzie Blackwood. Are you bringing him back or are you going with Vanacek and Schmeid? I'd imagine Vanacek or Blackwood is probably dealt because he's a restricted
2: free. Yeah, I think – I heard they might not tender him. They might – if Not they don't tender him,
0: that's different. interesting. Instead of getting something for him. But, I mean, I, I wonder I wonder if they can really go and give Jesper Bratt that type of money. Because I don't think Jesper Brat scores what he scores without playing with Jack Hughes. And that, to me, is going to be the biggest thing when they have to take a look at that. He's He's a good skater but he was abysmal in the playoffs after the Rangers Series. I mean, abysmal against Carolina. So do they really want to go and give him a bunch of money with the series that he had after that, knowing that that's the type of play that they may get from him going forward in big, in big situations? I don't know. I, I'd imagine they'll probably make an effort to sign it, but where's the cutoff point with them? Where? Where is Tom Fitzgerald's cutoff point with him? Because if you're going to give him money close to what Timo Myers making, Timo Myers got the pedigree to, to command what he might end up commanding. Jesper Brad, I don't think, has that type of pedigree. So that that's the discussions that I imagine they have back there. But yeah, they're definitely going to have a lot more difficulties uh, signing Brad.
1: Uh, let's make it a hat trick, guys, because... I think it's definitely going to be around on this. I think Brat is going to really kind of make it difficult for the Devils. There is a short-term deal that they were looking at so we can cash in on his UFA years. There is a long-term deal that he's looking at. But I also think, as Anthony and I discussed, you weren't uh, available when we did it last year, Phil. But the, the, when they went to arbitration with Brat, they should have signed him. They should have signed him long-term. And instead, now it ends up being a, a very sticky contract situation. And he put up back-to-back 70-point seasons, a 30-goal season this year. He's going to look over and just go, what more do you want from me? And yeah, Jack Hughes might have a factor with him, but I think this guy's coming into his own. I think this, this guy is, is, is really becoming something special. If you, move from, if you move on from him, go right ahead. More power to you. But do it with conviction. And I don't want to hear any Devils fans say uh, we gave up on Jesper Bratt too early. Who'd have thought we gave up on a player too early? It would be something said around here because there was a player that the Devils did give up on uh this week, and it did it does kind of help their cap situation. They traded Damon Severson to Columbus in a three-team trade, and then or no, that was just a trade, I think, and then signed Not him. The yeah, I was thinking that the last the one before that. Uh, with Provorov. Uh, and then they signed him to an eight-year deal for $6.25 million per year. Filk, Columbus grossly overpaid for Damon Severson.
0: It's technically a sign trade. So New Jersey actually gave him the deal and then dealt mm-hmm. him to Columbus. So, um, but yeah, they did over, they, they're paying a price for him. And I, I just don't think he's that good. I don't. I, I, I think that he's a guy that scored you thirty-five or so, maybe forty mm. points in a good year. Um, an okay puck mover. This is not an impact player. Um I, I just I don't I don't see him as somebody that's worth six point two five million dollars in an eight year deal just that and, that and then they gave up all the, you know to i mean i i just don't understand it I, you could have gotten him in UFA and I, I don't know if anyone would have given him 6.25 million in UFA was there a team that maybe would have done it i don't know usually they're they're usually they say there's always one team that'll go out and make that ridiculous deal but I don't know. Damon Severson just doesn't seem like that good of a player.
1: Anthony,
2: in the years are are too much for a player like him, um, and the dollar amount is a little high for my liking. Um, but they call this a silly season, right? I mean, in free agent. I know it's not even free. Agency, it's not even free agency yet, but. Teams do it all the time. You know, they they have a need. They see a player, and, you know, they overpay him. It's just, uh, you know, it's just how it goes. Um, And I think when you combine the fact that, you know, based on the amount of offensive defensemen out there, I mean, the list isn't too great. I mean, you have Klinberg, Dumba. I mean, there's not not much out there. And the Blue Jackets likely looked at it as, you know, this is a guy that has, you know, two – 11 goal seasons to his name, you know, a 40 point year or 39 point season. And, you know, their defense needed a lot of help and they decided to do it. So, I mean, perfect world. I'd like him at five years, maybe <clears throat> five and a half million, five million, but it's just not realistic in this climate. Again, he was just, I mean, whether you like it or not, this is how it is. So I'll go, I'll go beer. Um, I don't like the deal, but when you consider everything, you got to consider when it comes to, you know, free agency. I don't know if I would say grossly overpaid, but he did get overpaid.
1: <laughs> oh man, spending ten million dollars on Severson and Gabranson.
0: Whoa, uh,
1: I, yes. I gotta go. I got to I gotta go round on this one, guys. This is all, You know what? We haven't had one yet. This is a layup. I'm gonna go definite layup on this one. You mean to tell me that a guy, I understand the point production. Let's look at the point production for a second. 46 points last season, 33 this season, 31, 39. He's had 21, 24, 31, 21, 17. That's, that's, that's all good and, and, and well and good. Now you want to tell me that there are other numbers that don't matter. Maybe this one's overrated. Let's look at his plus minus for a second. Minus 13, minus 8, minus 31, minus 8, minus 27, minus 20, minus 8, minus 14, my, and plus 9. He's a minus 120 for his career. He's a defenseman in name only. And I actually kind of like Dameron Severson. I would take plus, him on my team, but
2: not eight years. Plus minus is plus plus minus is one of the most misleading, I mean, to me – Not really all yeah, but here's here's the
0: problem when it's that bad, that that means that there's something really wrong with you.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean that is fair, but he also he's also played for a devil's team that's been bad for the majority of the time that he spent there. Minus Um, one twenty.
0: Like if he was a minus, like I don't know, thirty or something like that, okay. Fine. 2018 they made the playoffs his for his his fourth year he was 23 years old
1: minus eight 20 2019 they were supposed to be a team on the rise minus 27 mm. then minus 20 then then he, he he's bucked up to a minus eight in 56 oh, games three <clears> two, <throat> two years ago and then uh minus 14 last year uh, i'm i'm sorry no we we could say plus minus isn't right but there's times where so it is it's an have
0: you watched a guy play defense if you've watched a guy play defense you know that he's on the level of somebody like Tony D'Angelo defensively
1: yeah <laughs> that's 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 pretty damning but people in hell want ice water and speaking about yeah, which
0: that's the problem like you grossly overpaid a guy to be a top level puck moving defenseman like if you're giving him six million, you're expecting 40 to 50 points. Like and for eight Watt seasons. Every year. And you gave him eight years. And you want that player to be halfway at least passable defensively. He's not passable defensively. And he's not a top-flight puck mover.
1: Well, speaking about which, and grossly overpaying players, it's reported by The Athletic that Pierre-Luc Dubois is seeking $9 million on, an, on his average for his next contract, Anthony, I'll start with you. It's insane to pay PLD nine million
2: dollars annually. I don't think it's as insane as you think. Um, I'll go beer. Uh, <clears throat> I just think um, a guy like him, you know, he's he's young. You know, he's he plays the center position. He's got size. Uh, he's got skill. Um, teams drool over players like that. So, I mean, you look at, I know Barzell's uses comparable in this day and age now, it seems like, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a, you know, a hundred point player to get nine, $10 million a year. Um, you know, it's, it's based on the actual skill and talent that you possess that you're going to bring to a club. So, um, plus I I also think there's a higher ceiling that PLD can reach when it comes to his, um, offensive production. Like I don't, I don't think he's hit, uh, you know, a plateau at all. So I think there's more to his game. Um, so no, I, I don't think it's insane to pay him that. It's almost like I said, it's almost like the going rate now for, um, a center of his caliber. So, uh, you may not like him. I get that. Uh, you know, he's essentially, you know, axed out of what, two, two, two teams right now uh, so far in his career. Um, so if you want. You cannot like that, or how his how he how his time ended in Columbus. He pouted a little bit. I don't like that shit. But um, he's going to be in high demand. He's going to be in high demand. Um, I think he's only going to give maybe give them five or six teams that he'll go to. But I think a lot of teams in the National Hockey League would love to have him on the roster. Um, so yeah, no, it's not insane, and you know, so I'm a, I almost borderline on shot here, but I'll I'll stick to a beer. But I, I don't think. It's insane to pay him 9 million AAV. Felk, what do you think?
0: I don't think it's necessarily insane. Um, I'm you're <clears throat> using the word insane, so I'm going to say shot. Um, would I necessarily pay him nine million? <sighs> no, but I get that he's using Barzell as a comparable. And Barzal, aside from his one rookie year, has been a 60 point player. And that's exactly what they're looking at. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to connect the dots on that one. So um, I, I would say that I necessarily wouldn't. I don't think it's insane at all. It's just kind of like what Anthony said it, it, it's what the market is right now. I would prefer to keep him at 7.5 to 8 million. I mean, that, that yeah. would be where I would think that I would like to to have him. But um, I do agree with Anthony, though. He was on pace for 70 points this year. So I, I think that there is definitely some an, another level that I think he could get to. And I, I think if you put him with the right players and you give him the first line minutes, maybe he gets to 70 to 80 points. And you're looking at that and you're saying, hey, you know what? What if he becomes an eighty-point player and he's he's making nine million a year? That's a bargain right now, I would say. So, mm-hmm. um, I I don't think it's really insane at all.
2: And before Mark I'm going around forward. on this,
1: guys, I'm not a fan of us. And again, you're going to pay a guy nine million dollars a season. You better make sure he's committed to your franchise. He's asked out of two franchises already. Let's say, for instance. Um, uh let's because he's always rumored to go to the rangers which i i i would love to know the magical cap space that they have to fit him in at nine million dollars per i know i heard trading hedel trading kutro trading uh lafreniere yeah uh trochek's got a no uh no trade clause lafreniere and hedel are better values for the money than a nine million dollar pierre Luc dubois um i i'm 60, 63 points. That's what we're hanging our head on. This is this, this amazing guy. I agree with you, Anthony. I think there's another level this guy could get to. And wouldn't it be great if it happens in the next one? You know what is even better? Actually, knowing that he's going to do that. Like, that, if, if, if he did it once before, Matt Barzell at least did 85 points. I saw it now, or was it 84, Anthony? I'm sorry. I forgot. It is 85. Good. All right. So I at least saw that with my own eyes. I have yet to see this guy get to 64 points and he's bitched his way out of two organizations.
2: about <laughs> Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um look I, again I don't like how he left Columbus um, but you know And the way we, he's leaving. Look, he, he's, Winnipeg. He's seeing he's seeing what Matthew Kachuk did last year, right? Math, Matthew Kachuk was an RFA but yet he acted like pretty much a UFA. How yeah, Matthew has, Kip Kip was coming off a hundred-point season. I, no, I know, I, I know that. But what I'm, what I'm saying is that these guys now they, they've kind of you can you kind of find a loophole when you're an RFA to sort of pick where you want to play. Um, you know this, yes, and normally I agree with a lot of things Core says, but I just got to say he's not. I think his preference is to play for Montreal, but it's been you know it's been speculated about where he's going to go, and um he's going to give he's going to give uh. Winnipeg, excuse me, a list of probably five or six teams that he go to. It's rumored he'll go to L.A. Um, Minnesota, oddly enough, was one on one of the lists I saw. the The Rangers, um, of course, the Canadians. But I think wherever he goes, he'll. I think he's finally going to sign a long term deal. That that's what's being said. So um, I don't, I don't know if he's actually going to get. He's going to get his wish and, and go to Montreal only because. Who does Montreal have to, to give to Winnipeg? They're not, they're not trading Kirby Dock, who they just invested in and had a pretty good year. So I, well, I don't see Montreal. I, I think it seems like L.A. is at the at the forefront here. So we'll see what happens. But um, as far as the Rangers go aspect of it, Mark, they're more listed as like a, a – from what I've read, like a dark horse. They're not really a, a front-runner for them. But um, – I just don't – I don't see it happening because I don't see Trocek waving his no-movement clause, and they just re-signed Philip Hiedel, Um And then there's the cap aspect to it, but – whoever oh, no, getting, it just, I just I to... – I always
1: see it, the reports from guys, Anthony. They're like, oh, well, the Rangers – the Rangers can't get him?
0: And why would they – what are they, they going to do with him? I honestly think that Merrick was just piggybacking off of an old rumor from a couple of years ago when – and I, I brought that up on my Twitter. I remember when that was happening. I was like, "Oh, yeah. you know, maybe the Rangers could go after Dubois and and get him, and he would be, you know, a good fit there." But it's <laughs> it's been more of like, a, okay, so the New York Yankees are in on him because the New York Yankees are the New York Yankees, and I think exactly. That's
1: and by the way, uh, let me try this anyway. On colère maybe I don't know that. I can't, uh, I can't. I can't you know, check. I would, the speaker. Lo- I would love to
0: know if Mark's pronunciation was right on that because that's if he can make that. that right, and then he can't pronunciate Laviolette <laughs> la correctly,
1: yeah. because I word think word. I always, I always move the o and the i the other way, so I no, have to train my brain you, to say you that.
0: Move, you know, you move the l, you move the other l in the let, right after the v. You say laviollet. Nah,
1: yeah, that's.
0: Uh, by the way, uh,
1: Big Lou. Big Mark Lou, if you he, asked him to say "angry" in in French, he would just go
2: "angry" in French. <laughs> get out of here, Mark. You probably would. You probably
0: would. If we
2: happen, if we happen to get to the draft in in uh, Nashville, um, I'm gonna somehow get you next to Big Lou on the floor and just and just see how that goes. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do it. I think everyone on here would would want me to do it. Um, yeah. but that that would be that would be yeah. must see must see viewing.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> I'll see. I'll say there's, there's actually two more topics we got for bar talk right now. That'd be great. We'll do some more in the Q&A, uh, quick Q&A, because mm-hmm. I know folks got to run, and so do I, by the way, but um, at least a little bit longer. But, guys, going back to the finals, obviously when it's all over, all the injuries come out. And you got, look no further than the Florida Panthers. You got Aaron Ekblad, broken foot since the first round. Matthew Kachuk, I didn't call him Keith, broken sternum. And that was in game three he had that. And Anthony's got a story about that in a second. Brandon Montour, torn labrum, and he's going to need surgery. He's out the next three to four months. Hockey players are the toughest players in sports.
0: This is such a like my sport post, but, yeah, I'm going to go with round. going to go with round just because they wear the least amount of – they wear a, 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 a really small amount of padding compared to like football players. You know, baseball is not really a contact sport neither is basketball, but I mean, the injuries that they deal with or turf toe and all that other crap. Yeah. I, I get that's annoying and it hurts, but hockey players take pucks to the face and they, they come back the next shift. So yeah, like my sport, like my sport, like my sport. I'm done there. Moving on.
1: Okay. So we're going to go with uh, a round on that yeah. one. I'm actually going to tap it again and say around on this one. Now, look, When you look at baseball, um, I'm trying to think. I think it was uh, Jack Youngblood in football. He played with a broken leg. Kirk Gibson in the 1988 World Series could barely stand. What? I think that was a torn ACL, right? I think it was. He could barely stand. And uh, he ended up homering off for Dennis Eckersley to win game one of the World Series in route to a Dodgers sweep. But the baseball players are now so babied that you can't even, they can't even try to be tough. I mean, Aaron Judd did a great job last year because he was having a historic season and it was also his contract year. So it was basically screw you. I'm staying in the lineup. Don't worry about that. Now, going now, football players again, football players can be very <laughs> tough. Uh, hockey players, hearing what they endure, and especially when, the, when the, the series is over,
0: football players play one day a week.
1: Yeah, and
0: one day a week. Hockey players are playing four three, four times a week. Sorry, and it's a longer schedule, it's over more months.
2: Especially when it comes to these playoffs, Anthony. Yeah, it's around. I mean, you you hear the stories <laughs> of you know what the guys play through. Um you know, you just saw it with the players you listed at the bottom before. Um they're just they're just a different breed. I mean, they just they're just conditioned to 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 just do whatever they have to can, whatever they can to stay on the ice and help their teammates and you know really get in the battle. I mean, it was perfect example is uh, what Morgan Barron in, in the playoffs where he got the skate to the face, He had seventy five stitches, and he came yep. back and he played. I mean, imagine getting seventy five stitches in your face, so what that must feel like, and uh, and then come back and, and play. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, I hate getting one stitch. With, Chuck has a fractured sternum and he scores a tying goal in game three in the front of the net where there's you know sticks and bodies on him. And I mean, forget about it. A fractured sternum, you know, marks Mark's not getting out of bed for six months. You know, this is let it's, alone go
1: into the front of the net and it's like a Cup <laughs> final game. It's yeah, yeah, they're
2: they're they're
1: insane. Easy round. Yeah, that's that's an easy round on that one. And so we'll do that one more time. Guys, I did throw this one in there at the last second. This is another easy round, I think, for all of us. It's going to be a layup. But Anthony, I'll start with you. The NHL on TNT is far better than the NHL on ESPN.
2: Yeah, I mean, round. Um, this is we really got into the layup talks. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just they're just much more entertaining with Gretzky and Biz and you know Anson Carter um Lee McHugh, they just they got great chemistry. Don't you know, forget Henrik. They, yeah, they're 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 great. They're great. I, I I love watching them. I mean, you know, ESPN, they had they had the name power to it. It was like oh, Messier and Chelios and you know uh, PK Subban and and but they're I don't know their coverage is more. It's more kind of just vanilla. Like bland, I would TNT. I think does a much better job with the presentation, and from everything from A to Z. Um, I don't know what ESPN has to do to make it a little better, maybe a little less robotic. But um, yeah, I think I think this is a, a round, an easy round. Phil,
1: obviously it's an easy round. Yeah, there, there's, there's the layup for you. But go ahead.
0: You guys have already said everything, and not, and not only that, but the production value is just crap on espn I, I don't know what happened with their production they used to produce it so much better back in the day it's funny i was watching uh clips because i and my youtube suggested like i'll get random regular season and playoff games or whether it's full games or highlights from like the 90s and i was watching scotty bowman's 1000 career win uh, Detroit and Pittsburgh and I think it was a 7-6 overtime winning bridge Brendan, Canahan, uh, Brendan Shanahan capped off a hat trick in overtime and the, the, even the production on the Fox on NHL like post with like the, the cartoony graphics with the robots was still better than what they were doing with ESPN there was no audio issues lighting issues anything like that like ESPN really like, they came back with second rate coverage and that's just how bad it's been. And then you you add like the bad commentary that they have from certain commentators. I'm not going to call out anybody, but it's already been discussed. We A lot of people know who public enemies I'm talking, which public enemies I'm talking about um, there. But it's, it, it just, it, it, it feels like they're just putting out a product to get eyes and they're not really putting their heart and their soul into it. And that sucks. So I hope that they improve it.
1: Yeah, the ESPN's a far cry from what it used to be and the the, the worst part is they have the elements to make it great. They're just not. And uh I've I've taken my my shots that I shouldn't be taking at at um certain people on there but uh and even they're not really shots, they're more like just comments. But they should have a much more entertaining studio. Uh the one part that was somewhat entertaining when it looked like uh, Messier and Subban were going to fight at one point this year, uh, during their coverage. I want to say it was back in March, but, um, there you, you have that, that studio crew and it's just boring. And yet on the other hand, we talk about it being vanilla, Anthony, there was nobody more vanilla in the NHL and intentionally. So than Wayne Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky had an autobiography written about him that he said, uh, it's great but you're going to have to take out all this stuff. I can't be a controversial figure. What happens now? He goes to TNT. You're thinking, Oh, he's going to just be vanilla with his coverage. Everybody's great. And he's got the line of the year when biz looks at him and says, you know, you got all these oilers and then Gretzky looking back saying, why are you taking a shot at the oilers? Toronto's got guys on milk cartons. (laughs) So It's like the energy in TNT and a matter of fact, the cross-promotion with TNT. Like, um, Matthew Kachuk was on uh, the NBA on TNT. Yeah, you had definitely. Charles Barkley on the NHL on TNT. Wrestling fans,
0: AEW promotes hockey well.
1: Yes. Like, this is stuff that you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to have your morning show host taking shots at your sport. Don't know who I'm talking about, but is. His initials are SAS, but, and even, and even when I, I get back on his side, then he's got to throw me back off of there. That, that's another thing too. It's just, you got to, you got to promote your sport and, and, and you got to have your league promote your asset. Yeah. So of course I'm, the better. Gonna, I'm,
0: gonna, I'm with this too. Um, Jackie Redmond has been awesome for TNT. I love me some Jackie Redmond. I'm a huge fan. We all know that. But um, Jackie's been awesome for TNT. So,
1: yeah. And, and it's not just because she's hot. She's, <laughs> there's, you know, she does a great job. She's been basically I, I the lead anchor for ESPN, ESPN Network. Twitter. A what?
0: I did once call her Jackie Zero Fucks Given Redmond after she roasted somebody on her Twitter account.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Guys, thanks very much for Big Apple Hockey Part Talk. We're gauging our topic on NHL topics. uh, We're uh, we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drinks. See, when you talk too much, it's just what happens. Let's go to some of your questions. We're running short on time, but uh, let's get some of them, what you guys might have right now. Uh, Most boring Stanley Cup snooze fest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It
1: it was it just wasn't a highly entertaining series. <laughs> uh, core. My shortest answer is my girlfriend is the most beautiful girl in the world. Everyone else comes second. <laughs> Not everyone else. Yeah. There are some people that are distant, one hundred and thirty sevens. So. Yeah. Uh. But yeah. Also, the just. I mean, I, 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 for one, and by the way, Gary Thorne, great, great commentator. I think he might be retired, but he, yeah, he was, I he always talked about
0: baseball.
2: Yeah. He's well, pretty, he was he's doing the OJ's, and then they replaced him. He, he's pretty up there in age now, Gary Thorne. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, no, Eric, so I, I love this because this debate is something I had with Anthony and Errol years ago when we were on –
2: 75, Seventy-five, by
0: the what? way. What?
2: Sorry, Seventy-five years old. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gary Thorne, uh, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So, right now, like, I remember after the 2018 season, and that's when we were doing off the post. We were going between seasons. And Matthew Barzell just won the Calder. And, you know, you and Errol had said that he was going to be, like, a, he was going to be that way going forward. And I said – you know, when John Tavares leaving, and and Barry Trotz coming in, he was gonna his numbers were gonna take a hit because he was gonna have to one he was gonna take the first line matchups, and two he was gonna be playing in a defensive system. But it's not just the system because Trotz is gone and he's still that player. Barzell's problem is not just that he plays in a certain system that may not tailor to his needs. But it, it's up here. It's up here. It's his decision-making process. It's holding on to the puck too long. It's making too many moves. It, it's skating around the offensive zone in the circle like he's Peter Forsberg three times before finally doing something with the puck. And then either losing the puck in the process or passing it to somebody who whiffs on a shot or doesn't convert, Whether whoever it is. Does, would Matthew Barzal put up better points with a top-end sniper? Yeah, likely. I think he would be maybe a 75-point player or so, maybe 80 in a good year. But th- this is not a guy that's a 90-100-point player. It- it's just not at this point. And, and the biggest problems with his game are-, are-, are this and his shot. His shot is not great. It's- I'm not saying it's bad. It's not great. I'm not like I'm calling him Derek Stepan, who had a shot softer than baby shit. But um, he's... He doesn't have a great shot that goaltenders fear. And that's the thing. And that's why they don't respect it. And and that's part of why he's not the elite point producer because of his head and his shot. And you know what? He's a good player for what he is. He's a great skater, great stick handler. He's even a great passer. He makes great passes. But the problem is, is that what he has doesn't come together and... He just doesn't he, – he can't put it all together to become that elite-level player. And I don't think you're going to see it at this point unless someone can get into his head and really rewire him. That's, that's something tough to do as a player. Once you become that type of player, you become a certain way, and your mindset's a certain way. It's really, really tough to rewire somebody like that. But – I am. I'm telling you right now. I don't think Matt Barzal is a 90 plus point player. I think at his best, maybe he gets back to 80. But to end it really, who am I taking Marner or Barzal in their draft year? Marner, and it, by a country mile. And that's why Marner went as high as he did in that draft year. So it, it, it's absolutely Marner.
2: Anthony, your thoughts on that? Arzell had 51 points in 58 games this year. So what is that? Like 70, 70 points or so over 82 games. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. So 70. So, yeah, I, I think 80 points is, especially in another system, you know, if he's scoring, let's, let's say he's going to be a 70 point player on the Islanders. I think he could be an 80 point player on a more wide open offensive team. Um, but obviously, that's not going to happen. He's going he's to be on the Islanders for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, as long as as long as they could get him, you know, if he could build some real solid chemistry with Horvat, which it looked like he had for the few games before he got hurt, um, you know, and Horvat's on point, I don't see any reason why you know Barzell can't score seventy five points next year, um, and that's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to sit there and say, "Damn, I wish he was ninety point player." Uh, I'll take 75 points from him all day. Hopefully he can get to that level. Um, but I, I do think, again, you know, in another in another system where he could, you know, play fully unrained with his speed and skill, I, I do think he could reach 80. But, um, again, he's, he's not going to – it's not going to happen because he's not going to get traded. So you just have to live with him, let's say, being a 70-point player. And I'll take that. If it, if it means winning championships and being a contender – you know, I'll take that all day than rather having an individual, you know, that's going to score 90 to 100 points, but you don't win. So we'll see what I happens think, going forward. But I
1: think I think Phil hit on a couple of things. I think you hit a couple of things, too. I think the, the guy definitely has the talent. He's a great passer, great skater. Uh, one of the one of the better like I used to say this when his first season came around, he was when he made like the decision. I'm cutting there. He was just amazing he was like one of the he just made a step he was gone he doesn't shoot the puck enough and i think also i know you said that before and by the way Phil, I'm getting to that one too and anthony i'm also going to make another point about that uh about why he's not shooting the puck sometimes or why he's overpassing or underpassing or holding on to it too long because he, he needs to work on his shot and he needs to get that better and if he does look out because yeah, If you're telling me Matt Barzell could turn in a 30-goal season, you're looking at maybe a 100-point player. That's how good he could be. However, he's also played in a defensive-minded system. They've uh, coached in responsibility to him, and he hasn't exactly had that top-flight talented player to play with. Kyle Palmieri is good, uh, obviously. And, and right now, Brock, Brock Nelson's passing him. So you, you got some guys. Imagine if he played. With say an Artemi Panarin or um, maybe a Timo Meyer, somebody that he could just say, "I'm going to get you the puck. You just shoot it," and he would. I think the the hesitation would come out of it, and he would just throw it there, and guy shoots the puck, it goes in. Confidence goes up from there. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Oliver Walstrom could develop something here if you he had the some the top flight talent. Of
0: that though. Like, what? Here's the counterpoint to that, though. So. If he goes and starts doing that, then the the shot frequency is probably gonna go down even more. So while there might be a slight uptick in points, it might not be enough to get him up to like 90, maybe even 80 at that point. Mm. Maybe it gets him from 65 to 75, maybe 80 in a good year. That that's the problem. You're right. It's it's really the shot. Because look at the elite, like look at all the elite centers. Like the elite level point centers, like Jack Eichel, great shot, 30 goal scorer. Nathan McKinnon, 30 40 goal scorer. Sidney Crosby, usually good for 35 to 40 goals a year, has scored 50 before.
1: He's and won Eddie two Rockets.
0: 50. I mean, yeah, Crosby run two Rocket Richard trophies. I, I just don't see Matthew Barzal as that. And it's not just because I I don't think the shot will ever get there. I just think he just doesn't have it in his wiring, in his head, to be that guy that shoots enough to where goaltenders start respecting that shot and say, oh, wait, he's not going to pass all the time. He might actually blow one past me.
2: You, Mark, you mentioned, you mentioned Brock Nelson, and th- the difference between Nelson and Barzell is Barzell uh, – Nelson – has an has a elite you know shot and release. I mean, thirty six goals last year, 30, 30, 37 this the year. The he and Nelson seventy five points in eighty two games. So Nelson kind of puts Nelson kind of puts a kink in the theory of not being able to produce in a defensive system because you know he's you know he's doing it. But th- again, the biggest difference is Nelson has a shot that goalies know that he could beat him clean with so they when he has when he has the puck they have to they have to respect his shot and now what it's doing is he's also had what 39 assists last year so he's also passing more too um whereas Barzell goalies know that he's gonna pass that's actually with a Nelson, great
0: point i I I am sorry that I, I gotta say I'll something go. right off the top of my head then I'll let you finish but the, yeah. Nelson improved himself in this system and he was a guy that was a loafer was a one-way player was hardly inconsistent you know me i like nelson going back to north dakota yeah. and i was all over him for years and then all of a sudden he improves under trots and he improves again these last two years so if, why is it that barzell who's more naturally talented can't do that but nelson can
1: i think it's because also it's, everybody's selling on barzell to pass all the time and now he knows, and I think he's overthinking. And the worst decision is indecision because you're, you're going, oh, wait, should I go there? No, should I get there? Matt Barzell was more instinctual his first few years, even under Trots, And it, he has, we, we've, we remember the goal against the Sabres. I'm going to bring that one up. Has nothing to do with a great shot or anything, but it does have to do with creativity. And the balls for a guy to try that, that was unbelievable. Where's that guy? Where is that guy right now? Now, theres is it possible for his game to be there? Yeah. And also, by the way, he's a guy that wanted to stay with the Islanders as opposed to, say, when Tavares, I do think Tavares wanted to stay. We talked about that. Tavares left. So all these things can be commendable. There's room for improvement in his game, and we've seen him at his best, and we've also seen him at his worst. I think if you split the difference, you might get a guy that could be, as Anthony said, seventy points next year. But you know what? On the wing, you're going to need a guy that's going to shoot the puck more, unless yeah. that's what Horvat's going to do. If you got the center shooting, whatever amount of shots, we'll say two hundred. That's a lot. So, all right.
2: I, um, I mean, I. I don't want to move. I don't want to move Nelson from center because he's really cooking right now. But I wonder why don't they try Barzell and Nelson together? Um, you know, Barzell, his passing ability might make Nelson even more prolific, but I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just think it's worth, it's worth trying out. I mean, why it's like your best playmaker and your best shooter. Um, I don't, I don't know why they would, you know, maybe try Barzell with Nelson instead of Horvat, but um Worse comes worse. It doesn't work. You 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 change it.
0: What? You were saying Nelson on wing on Barzell's wing.
2: Well, I said I don't. don't, I said I don't want to move Nelson from center because he's really comfortable and cooking right now. So then I said, why not just put Barzell on Nelson's wing rather than Horvath's? Okay. As the center, I was going to say you got a good two way
0: center there. I wouldn't mess with that.
1: Yeah, uh, State. He's been playing wing basically since Horvath got here. So. We're gonna just gonna anticipate that, even though Lou did say they have five good centers. By the way, Phil, Rangers keep or trade their first round pick?
0: Uh, keep. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see a, a scenario in which they trade it unless somebody becomes available. <laughs> Maybe they jump in on Pierre Luc Dubois. Even though I just I don't see that happening at all. But if if they decide to jump in on him or someone like that, then they would trade that first round pick. Unless they can find some sort of young, cost controlled, like top level talent that becomes available, that's the only way that I see them moving their first round pick. Because I, I just, I, you're going to need these picks. And you, this team is coming to a cap crunch. I, I just, I don't see it. I don't, Anthony. I, I don't see
1: it. Wicked is asking over under on Horvat's Point Productions next season,
2: assuming he's healthy, 65. I would say about sixty-five. Um, you know, even even Lou actually recognized when he talked about Horvat and how after Barzell got hurt, you know, he struggled. He recognized that. He's like, I know he's like, I know it he was scoring at a 50 goal pace. He's like, but going forward, we realistically expect him to be, you know, a 30, 35 goal guy. So I think even the Islanders brass um, you know, realistically knows he's not gonna score at the level he did last year, but thirty goals is a is a realistic you know, expectation of him. So, yeah, I, I think Corvette going forward being a 30 30 guy, so only you know, 30 goals, 30 assists, 60 points, 65 points. Um, I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think that's, you know, what I think it's realistic. So, him with Barzell, if they're healthy, yeah, I say 65 points is kind of right on target.
1: Uh, I would have to say probably in that area just to make it 65 and a half. So I have to say an over under, I got a good feeling about him next year. I think he's going to be more settled in. I think he's going to have with, with the Islanders live. He's going to have a house here. He's going to have a situation ready to go. And it, it's not like he was traded mid season. People forget about that. Having your family around
2: all the time and, being completely yeah, settled and, and your kids in school that's what he said too he said you know he and, has, you know he's it took him a while to get settled you know his family didn't get there um until later on and i think he's just going to be more comfortable this year you know full training camp really you know on the first one under his belts you know get build chemistry from day 1 um yeah so i think he's going to be i think he's going to play more like the that he did when they first acquired him when before Barzell got hurt, then he was the Horvat, you know, towards the end of the year. Right. Like 70 points is a career high and he blew away his career
1: high, which was 61. <laughs> that was back in 2019. But the guy consistently has been a 20 to 27 goal scorer, 31 last year and then now 38 in with the Islanders. And if uh, I, th- I just, I've said this before, I think this guy perfectly fits the New York Islanders and what they do. And I actually think you might see something closer to 70. I'm not going to blow it away. Maybe, maybe a little bit, but it, I'm not saying that's a bad thing in any way. Cause I think Bo Warbat does a lot more for the team. And I started pointing yeah. over here, Anthony, cause I think there's going to be a letter right there next year. So, and in maybe what is it? Three maybe. more years. What's it uh three more years on Andrews Lee?
2: I believe so, yeah. Three. He signed okay. yeah, he signed a seven year deal. Um yeah, I think I think three. Yeah. I think it's three more years. Okay.
1: Cause once that's done, that's gonna be a C on Bo Horovat. Well, that's, uh, that's let's let's and I, th- I think it's definitely gonna be him. Uh John's asking six defense for the Rangers, free agent or from the system, uh, I think they're going to want it to be Matthew Robertson. They've been hoping on it, but Philk has not been optimistic about that. I was going to ask him about this. I'm going to say it's it's, it I could, think it's, a, it's. I think it's. I think it's going to be somebody from the system because they already got Ben uh, Ben yeah. Harper
2: signed for next year. I think it's a veteran. Yeah, veteran D.
1: Hopefully, they don't sign Patrick Nemeth for absolutely no reason. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up right here. Thanks everybody for being with us. And, uh, it is going to be, oh, it's going to be a long, silly season next week. We're going to be covering a lot of the draft and hopefully we'll be covering the draft at the draft. That'll also be nice. Everybody. Thank you very much. And we will see you next week.